Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. fall of 2013 in South Florida, the man was working around in his yard, and in just a few moments, his entire property disappeared. Everything that he had cared about for so many years intended to, his car, his garage, his house, the trees, the flower beds, they were gone. He was a victim of a sinkhole. What had been happening, who, knew, who knows how long, months or perhaps even years, the acidic rain was eating away at the limestone underneath his house and the invisible collapsed under the weight of the visible. You know, it's amazing how sometimes we don't know what's going on, really. What's important that's going on. And that's why it's so important that we tend to the inner part of our lives because they're invisible Uh, We have a tendency not to focus on that part of our life and not to know or not to monitor what's going on there. We're in the middle of a series of messages on the heart. And we're, of course, not talking about the physical heart, talking about the spiritual heart. What the Bible says when it says that we're to love God with all of our heart. Uh, Last week, uh, Pastor Josh started off the series and we looked at a passage in Ezekiel And it said that it described for us what salvation is all about. Salvation is not behavior modification. It's not about trying to be better. Uh, Salvation is not even about adopting a set of beliefs and, and bringing those beliefs intellectually into our life. But salvation is a miracle where we come before God as sinners and we just say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for me. And when we do that and we invite him into our life, God does something that God only can do. And that is he gives us a new heart. It's his heart. And what we're going to look at today is that we have to be good stewards of that gift that God has given us. We must treasure this new heart that he's given us. We must monitor it monitor it. We must tend to it. And so if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs 4, 23. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You'll find that same scripture listed on the screens today. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Now, we know that that's true of our physical heart. We know that our physical heart is vital to our existence because from it flows blood that's laden with oxygen. And it goes to every extremity of our body. And if that blood is not there, then there's death that comes. The number one cause of death in the USA and now in all of the world is heart disease. We hear a lot about cancer and cancer's terrible, but it's number two don't hear that much about heart disease and yet it kills more people 
than any other source. There's something that goes on that many times is invisible. In fact, a lot of times people will go to the doctor and they'll complain about their sight or they'll complain about their head and how it feels or their hands or their feet and it's not even about those things. Those are just symptoms. The real problem is their heart. Uh, One day Jesus was sitting down to eat with his disciples and he forgot to wash his hands. Actually, Jesus never forgot anything. He decided not to wash his hands just to bug the religious leaders because they were obsessed about washing hands. They thought it had something to do with your relationship with God. Uh, Lest you touch something that they declared unclean like somebody who wasn't a follower of God or a dead body or something. They thought if you ate, then somehow that that, uh, terrible thing would become a part of you. And so they had this elaborate uh, design, elaborate uh, details about how you were to wash your hands like my wife. (laughs) And they believed that you were to wash your hands from your fingertips all the way to your elbows. And they were watching Jesus and his disciples and they didn't do that. He didn't even use a towelette. He just dove in. (laughs) Apparently he didn't think he had touched anything that was going to cause a real problem. And they were upset about it. And this is what he said to them. Listen to what he says in Matthew, the 15th chapter. In verse 17, he says, Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? Don't know many people that that's their favorite verse, all right? (laughs) But it's true, isn't it? That verse is true. But he goes on to say, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile a man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things that defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands, that does not defile the man. Those of us who are followers of Christ, we know that God has given us a new heart. And as time goes on, we find ourselves maybe doing some things that we shouldn't be doing as followers of Christ. And many times the focus is about our behaviors. And as our behaviors, as bad as they are, are not the problem. The problem is we've not tended to our heart. And many times when we have behaviors that don't become us as believers, what we start trying to do is exercise willpower to try to change those behaviors, but it's not the behaviors that we need to be focusing on. We definitely don't want those in our life, but we need to get to the root. We need to get to the source, and the Bible says that it's our heart. I don't know if you've ever been in a social setting where in an unguarded moment, something came out of your mouth that after it came out of your mouth, it kind of embarrassed you a little bit. It kind of made you look bad. Maybe it was a profane word. Maybe it was a criticism of another person or some caustic slander. Perhaps it was even gossip. And when you realize how bad it made you look, you say, whoa, I don't know where that came from. Jesus says he knows. It came from your heart. You see, that which is in our heart does not remain secret. Eventually, it will come out in the office, it will come out in the neighborhood, or it'll come out at home. Our true feelings, our true center What's really going on in our life, you can't contain it. It will eventually come out. And so the scripture here says that's why it's important that we monitor our hearts. I, like most men, go to the doctor on a regular basis once every five or six years, whether I need it or not. I will go to get an exam. 
And uh, the last time I did that, it was kind of at a particular time in my life where I thought, you know, I need to go in and get a full checkup. And when I did, I got a different report than I ever got before. Every time before they took blood and they ran all the, the levels, and they said, hey, everything's just where it's supposed to be. And, you know, they give us some slight advice, but not, not anything big. This time I got different result. They said that my bad cholesterol was high. Whoa, where'd that come from? That never, I never heard that before. And they even said that in uh, some arteries leading to my heart that there was some blockage that was beginning to build up. And I said to the doctor, I said, I've never gotten a report like this. What's different? What's going on there? And he gave me a very scientific response to that. He said, cheeseburgers <laughs> with bacon. He said, you know, if you live long enough and you eat enough of the wrong thing, you're going to get some trouble with your cholesterol. You're going to get some trouble with some blockage in there. And, and so he gave me some advice about lifestyle changes. He also gave me some, some medicine, some statins that help lower that. Uh, let me tell you something. If you live long enough and you watch enough television commercials telling you that you can't be happy without all the stuff out there, eventually there'll be some stuff that will build up in your heart. If you live long enough and hang around people, people, somebody's gonna hurt you. Somebody's gonna wrong you. Somebody's gonna do you bad. And if you're not careful, some stuff will build up in your heart. If you live long enough in this world and you push yourself to the limit and you put yourself under stress unnecessarily, what will happen is there will come a pain in your life and you'll find yourself medicating the pain in your life with your drug of choice until that drug of choice causes more pain than the original pain. And guess what will happen? Some things will build up in your heart. He says, watch after your heart with all diligence because from that heart, from that spiritual center, flows life and life will be blocked off and there'll be a lot of symptoms that will come out that other people will take note of the symptoms are not the problem he says the problem is your heart you know there's disease that comes up in our spiritual heart if we don't tend to it let me just look at four today I want us to very quickly look at these four heart diseases first of all I think there's the guilty heart you know, when you and I become Christians, the Bible tells us that God forgives us of all of our sin. And yet we also know that as followers of Christ living in this world, as God is changing us, that we still commit sins. We still break his laws. And the Bible says that there's forgiveness that's provided for that. In fact, it says in 1 John that if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's his promise. But you need to understand something today. You need to understand that one of the names for the devil in the Bible is the great accuser. And he loves to get you to sin, to get me to sin. But then he also loves to get us to be shamed by that sin. He loves to accuse us and say, look what you did. You're a terrible person and, and you, you don't deserve to be in church and God doesn't like you. And what happens is we start to listen to Satan instead of the Lord and we let that account build up and we don't stay current with the Lord and we become like Adam. You remember when Adam sinned, the Bible tells us that God and Adam walked in the garden together every day, but that particular day, God came walking in the garden and Adam hid himself. 
He not only sinned, but he doubted that God would forgive him. He had a guilty heart. Well, we went to camp years and years ago when we first started Lake Point. We took all the students out there, and in and, and, uh, those first years, we used to do something called a counselor hunt. And what we do is get all the kids together in the meeting hall, and then the counselors and the staff would go out, and we would hide, and all the students were divided up into teams, and they would get points for whoever they found. And of course, because I'm the pastor of the church, I had the most points. I thought, let's make this fun. So I, what I decided to do, where I decided to hide that first year is I decided to go behind the kitchen at that camp and have someone help me by tying me into a garbage bag. But don't worry, I punched holes in the back of it so I could sell garbage for two hours. And nobody found me. I thought, well, I'm not doing that again. And so the next year I found the tallest tree at camp, this big cedar tree, and I climbed all the way to the top of that tree, got sap all over me, had scratches all over my body, and the tree was full of ants. <laughs> but nobody found me. That third year, the kids all met in the, in the big meeting hall there, and I went out about 20 feet from that meeting hall in a clear opening with a bright spotlight that was on me. And I sat down and said, come get me. And I did put my hands over my eyes. And I got found. And you know what I found out, friends? Don't miss this. This may be worth the trip. It's more fun to be found. Have you figured that out yet? Because some of you lately, even though you're followers of God, even though you believe, you've been hiding from him. And you haven't figured out it's more fun to be found like the prodigal's father who stood on the hillside and he welcomed his son back home because he was his kid. Didn't matter what he had done, it didn't matter what he had wasted, it was his kid. And the Bible said he ran to him and he embraced him and he put a robe on him, he put a ring on his hand, put shoes back on his feet. That's how you feel about your kids, isn't it? Not anything in the world that they could do to cause you to love them less than you love them. Unless they won't let you love them. And it's hiding. It's hiding that destroys the fellowship. It's hiding that short circuits what God wants to do in and by the way through us. Some of you today have heart disease. I guarantee it. There are people in this room, there are people who are watching online at our other campuses. There are a lot here who have a guilty heart, but you don't have to. Because God will take that heart and he will heal it. There's also some of you who have a heart of greed. And oh my goodness, that's easy to do in the Metroplex. Where people spend billions, I said it right, billions of dollars to try to convince you and I that we have some, some deficits in our life that it can only be solved by money or what money can buy. And as a, result, we work, as a result, we work way, way too hard, way too many hours, and we neglect the thing that God says is the most valuable, and that's relationships. And because of greed, we're tempted to lie, cheat, and steal in order to have or to keep. And we hoard, and we, and we spend an inordinate amount of time getting stuff and caring for stuff and protecting stuff and arguing and suing people for stuff. And we're guilty for having a heart of greed. You know, when I went to the doctor, I told you that the doctor had given medicine 
for what was wrong with me. And, and, and the Bible always gives us medicine for what's wrong with us. For those of us who have a guilty heart, I love the verse that's found in Psalm 139. It says that we invite God to search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. There's also an antidote for greed. In Matthew the sixth chapter, verse 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The antidote for greed is generosity. Uh, to find someone who has less than you and to freely give it. To see that you're not an owner of anything, but you're a steward of what God owns. And it passes through you. And you just keep giving it away and God keeps giving back to you. And you can't give away fast enough for him to give more to you. To invest in his kingdom so other people can know about him. To give is to be cured of greed. Some of us don't suffer from a guilty heart or a heart of greed. Some of us suffer from a heart of anger. What's the best part of your job? Working with people. What's the worst part of your job? Working with people. It's true at work. It's true of our family. It's true of neighborhoods, communities, and our nation and the world, isn't it? If you live long enough, someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to wrong you. And uh, they're going to cause a deficit in your life. And that's going to create a fear. And you're going to jump from that uncomfortable feeling of fear to the second emotion, which is anger. And sometimes we get stuck there. The Bible warns, be careful of anger. Be careful lest a root of bitterness get lodged in your heart. Because it will begin to grow and it will begin to fill every chamber and every pathway until finally it chokes off the flow of life. And I understand, I, I think sometimes we cling to our anger as a defense mechanism. We cling to our anger because we think if I just stay angry at that person that way, they can't get close enough to me to hurt me again. And so we build walls, and it's true what walls will keep other people from hurting you, but walls will also keep other people from loving you. There's others of us who we cling to our anger because we've made ourselves judge, jury, and executioner. We decided we're God, and we're going to teach them a lesson, and we're going to put them in their place, and we're not going to let go of this because we've got to see justice come about. The problem is that we're all sinners, my friend. There's not any of us who are in a place to cast that stone. And, and here's the reality, by the way, if you want to just get real practical, is when you and I hang on to the anger against someone else, most of the time they don't even care about it. It doesn't bother them. We're the person who's poisoning the water we're drinking. We're poisoning our well. And we create a prison that we live in and they don't really care. They're, they're off doing their own thing. There is an antidote, just like there's an antidote for the guilty heart, which is confession, and there's an antidote for the heart of greed, and that's to be generous and to give. There's an antidote for this as well. An antidote is forgiveness. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse 32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Don't miss this. Just as God in Christ Jesus has also forgiven you. I'm sure that you watched, as I did with the rest of the nation, the Amber Geiger 
trial this week has it told the story of a, a, a lady who was a, worked for the police and she came home after work and accidentally walked into the wrong apartment thinking it was her apartment and there was an intruder. She shot the man who lived there, both in Jean. And uh, as a result, she, she was convicted of murder this past week and then they moved into the sentencing phase of that trial. And both of them, John has a brother by the name of Brant and he took the stand and yet, instead of focusing in on how the death of his brother affected him, he kind of turned the focus to the defendant, to Amber. And this is what he said. I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. People all over the world saw that this week. See, here's the deal, guys. Having a clean heart is not just about us. It's about a world who's looking for that kind of grace and that kind of love. 18 years old, that young man. And with all the stuff that was going on and all the criticism and all the critiquing and all the sides involved, that's what stood out. It amazed a world. That's what the world needs. That's what the world desires. That's the answer to all of the conflict in our world. You know, the crazy thing is it gave the courage, it gave courage to others 
The, the judge who presided over that trial always sits with her own personal Bible there. And after that scene, some of the news reports showed the, the judge taking her personal Bible and giving it as a gift to Amber and marking John 3.16. Do you know that the judge was criticized severely for that? Brandt was criticized for what he said as if somehow he was belittling the death of his brother. He wasn't. What happened was tragic. But more tragedy does not solve our problems. And the fact that there were so many critics of both the judge and Brandt and what he said and what he did shows how bad we need our hearts cleaned. One last heart disease I want us to look at, and that's the heart of lust. You know, usually when we think of the word lust, we think of it in a sexual context, and it certainly can be applied in that realm, but it's much more than that. The word lust literally means over-desire. There's not anything wrong with sex in its proper place. God invented sex. I think he did a pretty good job, by the way. <laughs> he also invented food. But it's when we have an over-desire for sex, when we have an over-desire for food, when we have an over-desire for power or status or recognition or material possessions that it becomes a problem. In fact, in James, the first chapter, in verse 14, it says this, but everyone is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Guys, we create our own temptations because of the conditions of our heart. Then lust, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is accomplished, it brings death. Guys, when we make too much of anything in this world, it changes our heart, and then our behavior follows, and the behavior causes all the problems and the death and the decay in our life. The, the, the real issue is not our behavior. The real issue is our heart, where we've come to depend upon any person or thing or experience to provide what only God can provide. You know what the antidote for lust is, the heart of lust? It's called faith. It's where we put our trust in God to provide for us what only God can provide for us. And then food is not the center of our life, it's just food. And sex doesn't determine what we think about or what we do all the time or the relationships that we betray. It's, it's sex and it's it's proper place and in its proper context and proper control. Let me ask you today, how's your heart? Because it's an important question. It's probably not a question anyone's asked you this year, but it is the question. How's your heart? Because that which is invisible will not stay invisible. It will finally work its way out in all of our life. And left unchecked, left unmonitored, it will choke off all of life's best. And some of us are suffering from that right now. It's not a behavior issue. It's a heart issue. But you know, our behaviors betray us, don't they? 
as you begin to look at your life, are there signs right now? Are there, are there just little signs? Are there little problems that you could trace back to? A guilty heart that you're trying to avoid God and God's people and God's word and prayer because you just don't want to face, because you don't believe that he's good, or, or greed. And by the way, if you can't let go of your possessions, you don't own your possessions, they own you. Or maybe it's anger. You just can't let go. You just cannot forget what that person did against you. And you're going to get your revenge. In fact, you're going to waste the rest of your life getting that revenge. Or in dozens and dozens of different ways, you have focused in on people, experiences, or things. And God loves you so much, he doesn't want you to serve those lesser gods. And people are beginning to notice. It's beginning to change how you spend your money and how you spend your days and what you daydream about and what you fixate on. Now maybe I'm asking the wrong person. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't say, how is your heart and do you see those telltale symptoms? Maybe I should ask the people you live with, how's your heart? Do they see those telltale signs? Or maybe to get the, to the heart of the matter, maybe we should ask God today, how's my heart? And we should pray that prayer, have the courage to pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed that's recorded in Psalm 51 when he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We're going to have the opportunity to do that today as we take the Lord's Supper. That's one of the beauties of, this, of these symbols. It allows us to not only consider what Christ has already done for us to provide for us a new heart, but it gives us a time of reflection to ask how good of a steward, how well we have treasured the heart that he has given us. And because we have a loving God, we don't have to leave here with guilty hearts. Isn't that great? That we can come clean and know that our Father loves us enough that he will cleanse us and he will do what only he can do. He will give us a healthy heart. We can all leave here today with healthy hearts. And that in turn will take care of all the relationships and all the conflicts and everything else that we struggle with so hard unnecessarily. As you take the bread, remember his body which was broken for you. As you take the cup, remember his blood which was poured out for you. And in your own time, take the bread and take the cup. Take it with gratitude and take it with a clean heart today. He died so you could. He died so I could. Let's thank him for that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for salvation. Thank you, dear Father, that you freely give us a new heart if we'll just confess our sins and invite you in. We pray, dear Father, that those of us who followed you a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 or 30 or 50 years ago, that we will continue to tend to our hearts with all diligence, that we not let a day go by that we don't boldly come before you and say, God, is there anything in my life? Is there any focus? Is there anything that's becoming more important than you? 
Create in me a clean heart, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.